So we are <clears throat> we are continuing in in uh, Genesis chapter forty nine, and let's start. Let's pick up. We we talked about Reuben. We've talked about Simeon and Levi. We spoke last time a lot about Judah, and now let's pick up and start reading about uh, uh, in verse thirteen of Genesis chapter forty nine, verse thirteen. We'll start reading about Zebulun. Zebulun will dwell at the seashore, and he shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall be toward Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave that forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way and a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider falls backwards. For your salvation I wait. As for Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. As for Asher, his food shall be rich, and he will yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Now I'm going to... I'm going to just for a moment skip Joseph and go down to uh, Benjamin in verse 27. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. And so um, you can look at the land, the land of, of, of each one of these people. I'm not going to show you the map today, but uh, uh, it's easy to, if you just Google uh, Israel tribe map. And it will come up for you, and you will be able to see the the maps there. But if we will just take each one of these sons, just one or two sentences is given in, in about each one of these sons. As far as Zebulun, uh, it turns out it says that that uh, it, that he will dwell by the seashore, and he shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall be toward Sidon. If you look at Zebulun, Zebulun turns out to be landlocked. Zebulun is about 20 miles from the Mediterranean, uh, uh, but it's near enough that he, it was, it was uh, uh, said that there was a major highway running through, through Zebulun, the Via Maris hi- Highway, and through it, great riches passed, and so it passed through Zebulun. Uh, he, he had uh, very rich crops. Uh, it, it, it says that, that Asher, Asher was, was, was on his... his uh, his west, and uh, uh, Naphtali separated him from the Sea of Gal- Galilee, and Zebulun is, is just sitting right in the middle of that. And then you, you could see that. And, and so that, that uh, uh, it might be that the borders, his borders will extend in the, in the millennial kingdom, because in Ezekiel 48, the borders actually change, and the borders are all changed in the millennial kingdom. Uh, in Deuteronomy 33, it speaks of, of uh, uh, Moses was, re, was uh, speaks of their rejoicing. In Judges chapter 5, uh, the children of Zebulun risked their lives uh, for Israel's independence. In Judges chapter 12, Elon, the judge, came from Zebulun. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 33 and 40, they were big supporters of King David. And this is the major area of a major area of Jesus's ministry was in Zebulun because that's the city of Nazareth where Jesus himself grew up. That's the the territory of Zebulun. Let me because I, I didn't I didn't plan on it, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up these maps. So just give me a second here while I 
while I uh, uh, go to my PowerPoint slides and, and bring up the map, and, and, uh, because maybe it is helpful to show you that. Okay, so presumably you can see those maps now. And uh, so you see here, here's Zebulun. Zebulun is landlocked here. And uh, um, let me get the laser pointer. So Zebulun is landlocked. And it says that its flank is going to be towards Sidon. And this is about 20 miles from the water. And so it's not that close to the water, but, but uh, uh, they, they, get, they, they approximate where this land is by the way it's, it's talked about in Joshua and, and in Judges. And, and by the way, last time I had mentioned that, that Jerusalem was in Judah, and uh, Dr. Boyd pointed out to me that actually it lists Jerusalem in Benjamin, which is actually where it's listed, but it's right smack on the border, actually. And so that as Jerusalem grew, it extended into Judah as well. And I had that conversation with, with Orthodox Jews in Israel, long extended conversations about Jerusalem, its exact location. Uh, okay, so that's Zebulun. And then in verse 14, it talks about Issachar. So it says, Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheep foals. When he saw that his resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens. So Issachar was strong like a donkey. It turns out that he really was strong. His, his population went, went up dramatically in, in uh, uh, Issachar. So here's Issachar right here. Here's Issachar. And, uh, um, and so again, on, on this map, you can see Zebulun, Issachar. They weren't sure where to set the boundaries. And... and um, uh, it turns out, though, that though he was, was very strong, they never really fought very hard for their land, so they were subjugated by the Canaanites. And you can see it even here that they became, it, it says of them, they're going to become slaves and forced labor. So this is several hundred years before they go back into the land, this prophecy is given. So Jacob was an amazing prophet. And then he goes on and he talks about Dan. And so the region of Dan, you can see right here, the region of Dan, that is different than the city of Dan in the north. So when they talk, when they say from Dan to Beersheba, they're just speaking from the north, very north to the very south. But this is the region of Dan, which came right up along the water there. And it says, Dan shall judge his people. The word Dan actually means judge. And uh, this was actually fulfilled by Samson in Judges 13 uh, through 16. And, uh, um, so he's, Dan is often listed last among the tribes. And uh, uh, Dan, interestingly enough, is not listed among the 144,000 witnesses where God's going to take 12,000 witnesses from each of the tribes in the book of Revelation chapter 7. He's not even listed among the witnesses. Uh, 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 but that doesn't mean that he's going to go away. He's clearly listed in the Messianic kingdom in, in Ezekiel chapter 48. Uh, Dan was talks about how he's going to be like a, a snake that bites at the heels. Very, very intent on guerrilla warfare. That's very much what Samson did. Samson didn't organize armies. It was all guerrilla warfare. He'd go in and just cause devastation. And then he says in verse 18, For your salvation I wait, O Lord. It's as the father is crying out for the salvation of his son. 
uh, uh, you, you see this, that, that this is the first time the word salvation is used in the Old Testament. It's going to be used a total of 78 times. This is the first time crying out for his son, uh, Dan. And, uh, uh, but the salvation is assured. It's sort of like a, a, a wayward and rebellious, rambunctious son. And as parents, uh, sometimes you have to do that. You have to continue to cry out for your son. And you can see this prayer being offered up in chapter 49, verse 18, for his son. Uh, and then in verse 20, it talks about Asher. So, so here's Asher up along the coast, right along the coast of the Mediterranean. And uh, uh, it, 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 so let me go to my notes on Asher. Well, I'm sorry, I, I skipped uh, uh, Gad. Okay, well, well, for Gad, so Gad is over here on the east side of the River Jordan. So this is Gad. And Gad is going to continually be attacked by raiders coming in from this side, from where Ammon is. But Gad ends up to being very strong. He'll eventually raid back. And that's what it says of Gad in verse, in verse 19. As for Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. And, uh, um, and he was attacked by marauding bands. That's in, in, Jeremiah, for, in, in uh, uh, Jeremiah 49, verse 1. Gad is going to raid them in return, and they turn out to be excellent fighters. In Deuteronomy 33, verse 20, Deuteronomy 33, 20, and in 1 Chronicles 5, verse 18 through 22, it talks about how excellent fighters they were. And they were big supporters of David, uh, King David in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, uh, big supporters of David. Okay, so then we'll go on to, to Asher. Asher's up by the coast there. And, and of Asher, it says that uh, uh, there's an interesting thing about Asher. Many, many Christians thought that, that Israel was going to find a lot of oil because this food that it says that of Asher, his food shall be rich. This is the word oil. And that word is used again in Deuteronomy 33, verse 24, that it, should be the land, it will be the land of oil. When the scriptures speak about oil, they are not talking about crude oil. Many people thought, oh, there's going to be tons of oil found. I mean, oil's been found, but it's not anywhere, you know, it's not like Saudi Arabia type levels of oil. But they're never talking of crude oil. They're talking about glycerin with a fatty acids coming off. It's very different than crude oil. Crude oil is more like pitch, the material that, that, uh, that for example, was used by Noah to coat the outside of, of his ship. That's what crude oil is like. It's very different than this type of word, which always meant olive oil. Uh, and it speaks of their rich territory. Food for, for kings would be there. And there's a lot of, of olive trees to this day in that region. So you can even see those prophecies taking place. And then Naphtali, which is just to the east of that, Naphtali. And it says of Naphtali, it says, is like a doe let loose. He, uh, he gives beautiful words. And these are like a deer set free. These are mountain people, and they were very good in warfare. It talks about in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 24, uh, these mountain uh, 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 dwellers. And they had a very sophisticated speech, which you can read about in Judges chapter 5, verses 1 through 31. You can see their sophisticated speech. So again, this is prophecy foretold, uh, 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 given to us. Then we skip to Benjamin in verse 27. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours his prey, and in the evening he divides his spoil. So here's Benjamin, right above Judah, tucked in right here between Ephraim and Judah. And Beth, 
uh, uh, Benjamin were, were super warlike, vicious in war. Uh, they produced famous fighters. Uh, they could sling stones with their left hands, 700 men who were just talked about as being in Judges chapter 20, verse 16. You didn't want to mess with the Benjamin, Benjaminites. Ehud, the, the judge, came from them. Ehud was bold and, and uh, 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 certainly a deadly man. Saul, again, Saul came from them. Jonathan, Mordecai, and Esther were from the tribe of Benjamin, as was the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. They were small due to the rebellion uh, where all the other tribes had to, had to uh, uh, fight against them at one point. But uh, uh, tremendous soldiers, and you can see that. He's a ravenous wolf, and he's going to get so much. He can share all that he can get from war with others. So you see that ability. Now what I want to do is I want to spend a little more time focusing in on the blessing to Joseph. So Joseph, the blessing starts in verse 22. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now stop sharing the screen. So, so Joseph, remember, Joseph's area is Ephraim. It's going to be in two of his sons. Ephraim, which is here, very fertile land right here. Ephraim, it's right smack in the middle. And Manasseh. There was Manasseh on the east side and Manasseh on the west side of the Jordan. There were two big areas. So if you look at all of this territory, it's bigger than any of the other tribes. So Joseph... Com- his, was given in the name of his two sons, which is not something to lose. I'll tell you, as a father, I rejoice more seeing my children prosper than I do myself. When I see my, my kids' names written up someplace, that brings more joy to me than, than, than seeing my own name uh, written up someplace. And so, so fathers, parents understand this. So as far as, as Joseph, it says, it says in uh, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bow. A, a fruitful bow by a spring, its branches run over a wall. And in fact, that word bow is really sun. It literally means the son of a fruitful tree. He is the son of a fruitful tree. This fruitfulness is speaking of the fruitfulness that is going to come from his life. And he's going to be like by a spring. There are great dry times in, in Israel. But if you're by a spring, it's different. He says, this guy is going to thrive. Remember, Joseph was a faithful son. He had a very close relationship with his father. So close, his father gave him both the birthright and the blessing by the age of 17. He gets both the birthright and the blessing. The birthright was given up by by Reuben because of his sin. It was transferred to Joseph. At this time, the young life of Joseph, uh, 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 Judah was a renegade quite disobedient, but then we, as we talked about last time, how he came back and you see this great blessing that came upon him. And it says that, that his, its branches are going to run over the wall, over a wall. That word branches is actually daughters. We are not, we don't have any daughters listed for Joseph, but he may well have had daughters. The daughters generally aren't listed. There are two, two listed among all the sons. One is Dinah because of the sin that happened to her. She was raped by Shechem and, and, and the battle that became about uh, from that. And there's also Sarah, uh, Surah, S-E-R-A-H, listed in, in Genesis 46, 17, that one daughter. And it's listed again in, in, uh, in other genealogies. And we're not sure why that daughter is so prominent. But in any case, it says his daughters are going to be like, like a wall going over the wall. Uh, archers bitter, bitterly attacked him. And shot at him and harassed him. His bow remained firm. His arms were agile. 
And so it's talking about all the things that he went through at the hands of his brothers, at the hands of the, the slave owners that bought him, at the hands of Potiphar, and especially Potiphar's wife. Uh, uh, so so he, he's speaking about this. His hands have remained strong. But this is what I want you to see. This is so interesting right now. He says, he says, for the hands of the Almighty One of Jacob, from there is the shepherd stone of Israel. From the God of your Father who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you. And so you can see now, again and again, God is wed with his life. You don't see this with any of the other brothers. It's just talking about, okay, you're going to be in this land, you're going to have fruitful, you're going to have this fruit, you're going to have that. There's no God inserted into discussions about them. None. For Judah, it's, it, it's still very matter of fact relative to what it is for Joseph. If you look back in verse 8 concerning Judah, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, as a lion who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And that is, most authors think that that is a, a reference until the Messiah comes. But again, he's, he's saying, you're going to, from you, the Messiah is going to come. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And he's going to have fruitfulness there. And there's going to be strength. But on Joseph, it is all wrapped around God. This was a young man who grew up, who everything about him was focused in on God. Even when he said to his brothers, he says, you know, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Everything he said to Pharaoh, you know, I can't give you the interpretation, but there's a God in heaven who can. This guy was consumed with God and God continued to be poured out upon him. The blessing upon Joseph is so much different than the blessing upon the other brothers. He says, from the hands, in verse 24, from the hand of the mighty one of Jacob. The mighty one of Jacob is, is he's referring to God, the mighty one of Jacob. This all blessing is coming upon you. The blessing is going to come from God himself. For there is the shepherd of the stone of Israel. There again, he's speaking about God, the shepherd. This whole concept of shepherd is something that, that's, that's, uh, that's talked about in, in uh, Zechariah. Uh, chapter 11, and in John chapter 10. This is speaking of the Messiah, the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Again, the stone is a reference. The stone is a reference to to uh, uh, the Messiah. We even see this in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, it says in Romans chapter 9, verse 31. Uh, Romans 9, 31, it says, But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. The reason why Israel did not come into this, I want you to hear this, is because they didn't have faith. They thought they could get all of this by works. And you speak to Jews today, and I am a Jew, I understand this. You speak to Jews today, they will say, you speak to an Orthodox Jew, you see this yarmulke? You see this yarmulke? I wear this. I do all of this. I light this candle. I say, It's all about earning it through the things that they're doing. I light this candle. I always light the candle before I say the prayer. I always do this. They're just throttled with rabbinic law. Way, way beyond what was given in the 613 commandments. Each commandment of the, in the law of Moses has been surrounded with rabbinic commandments that you go around. Uh, 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 and, and so they justify themselves based on their service. 
He says, this is why they lost out. Then he says, he says, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Just as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. It is this stone, this rock, this is the speaking about Jesus. And this is exactly what we see is being referenced here in, in the book of Genesis. He speaks of the stone of Israel. We see this again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul speaks of this stone in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. The rock which followed them, which brought them water in the wilderness. This was Jesus. Jesus has always been there. Jesus has always been blessing His people. Jesus blesses His people over and over and over again. We can never give enough glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been there from the beginning. Jesus gives everything. It has just been showered upon us by Jesus in everything, He is the greatest. He is the one who brought the Jews, the Israelites, water in the wilderness. He says, He says, uh, um, all ate the same spiritual food. What food were they eating? They were eating manna in the wilderness. God provided, Jesus provided them manna. They all ate, it says, spiritual food. Well, was it spiritual food in the sense that it wasn't real food, it was just some sort of spiritual thing? No, it was real food that God provided. That was real food that they ate. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. They were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. If you look at historic, old, old Jewish paintings... Old Jewish paintings, what you will see is a stone, a big stone, spherical, big spherical stone with 12 sprouts coming out, 12 spouts coming out. And so even within Jewish history, it speaks of a stone that was following them through the wilderness. If you go to that part of the world, you look, where, where did they get water? There is no water. We know the food was dropping down manna from, where did they get the water? There were some places where there were springs, but that overall, it is terribly dry. There was a rock that was following them. You say, well, it was a spiritual rock. It wasn't a real rock. Well, was the food just spiritual food or real food? You decide. There was a rock that was following them and that rock was Christ. Paul was obviously aware of the Jewish, uh, 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 of, of, of the Jewish tradition of this rock following them. And he says the rock was Christ. And this is what this is what Jacob is talking about. This stone of Israel, which, which unfortunately the Jews today are stumbling over. He's right smack in their face. He's handing them food. He's giving them water. And boom, they're falling right over him. This is, he's speaking of, of uh, again, the stone of Israel. Then he says, from the God of your father who helped you. From the God of your father. None of the other sons, none of the other sons did he invoke the name of God. Here he's bringing God right into this thing. The God of your Father who helps you. And by the Almighty who blesses you. So look what he says. The Mighty One of Jacob. The Shepherd Stone. The God of your Father who helps you. The Mighty One who blesses you. He's, so you see this. Is, there's five titles for God. Mighty One of Jacob. Shepherd. Stone of Israel. And Father's God and Almighty. Five times he invokes the name of God over this Son. Why? Because this was the Son who loved God. 
So he just gave God right back to him. He says, you love God, I'll give it right back to you. Then he says, if you look in, in verse between verse 25 and 26, five times the word blessing is used. It says, and by the mighty God who blesses you with blessing from heaven above, blessing from the deep that lies beneath, blessing of the breasts of the womb and the blessings of your father. Five times blessings. None of the other sons does it say the word bless. None of the other sons. This one, five times blessing. Five times right over him. None of the other sons in the little things given to them did it speak of the word, did it mention the word bless. This one, it goes five times. And he says, he says, you're going to have the blessings from heaven above. You're going to have rains. You're going to have blessings from what's beneath. Because in Israel, if you don't have a spring near you, you're going to dry up. And he, he's going to have the blessings from beneath. He says, you're going to have the, bre- the, the, the breasts of the womb. You see this expansive growth in Ephraim and Manasseh of, of, of lives that are born. And then you can see this in the senses, in the censuses that are taken. And then, then it says, and the blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph, on the crown, on the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. It is all about God. It is all about God. And the nearer we come to God, the more of us he gives. I want you to turn over to John. I want you to turn over to uh, um, uh, John chapter chapter um, John chapter fourteen. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-one. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-one. We're going to plant there for a little while because it's amazing. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-one. How does Jesus assess our love for Him? How does Jesus do with this? How does he assess our love for him? It is not by saying hallelujah ten times. Jesus tells us exactly how he assesses our love for him. In verse 21 of John, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. In John chapter 14 verse 21. You want to know, Jesus assesses our love for him by our desire to keep his commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And if you love me, my father's going to love you and I will disclose myself to him. You know, uh, uh, there are people that have helped my children through school. I remember I would call on students to help my kids with, with tutoring them through when they were in high school or helping them. If a student has helped one of my children. I never forget that student. Never. If you're good to my son, you're good to my daughter, I will always remember you. I got an email from a Chinese professor, a professor in China who was a graduate student in electrical engineering at Rice. And, uh, uh, and, and I remember, and I wrote right back to him. I said, you are the one who sat with my daughter. You are the one who got her through high school physics. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I'd never forgotten Yan. He was the one who would take care of my daughter. And so it says here, he who loves me will be loved by my father. If you would learn to love Jesus, God the Father will love you so much more. And he says, and, and, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So Jesus says, I'll disclose myself to you. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? In verse 23 of John chapter 14, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. There it is again. Jesus twice tells us, it's all about, I assess your love for me by your diligence in keeping my word. He who loves me will keep my word. 
What's the result of that? And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And what's the result of that? My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You think, well, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's already with you. You've accepted Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with you. But Jesus said, we will come to you. That's him and his Father will take residence in your life as well. If you show your love for Jesus by obeying him. The more we, we, we take hold of God, the more we get. The more we take hold of God, the more we get. We see this with Joseph. He smothered Joseph with God. None of the other brothers got this. The other brothers were not interested in God. Yes, they had the inheritance. Yes, they got a piece of the land. But they missed out on the greatest thing. They missed out on the shepherd. They missed out on the rock, the stone of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that stone that followed them, that was Christ. How can we neglect that? That was Christ right there with them. That's the one they were neglecting. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the one that they were neglecting. Yeshua, the Messiah, they were neglecting. How could we neglect Him? The more we seek Him, the more we love Jesus, the more we get of Him. Don't neglect these things. This is what He has for us. These are the blessings that He has for us. And, and uh, uh, if, if we, if we look, look back, I want you to just look back at First Corinthians, this portion in First Corinthians chapter ten, we ver- we read verses one through four. Now verse five, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse five. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. They sat down to drink down to eat and drink and they stood up to play nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyers now these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come therefore let him who thinks he stands take, take heed lest he fall no temptation is overtaken you, but as such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. He tells us, he says, look, you want to start grumbling, you're going to destroy your life. That's what destroyed them. He's warning us. And he says, with any temptation... God provides a way of escape. God provides it. There is a way of escape. You want, to, you want to not fall into temptation in a sexual relationship? Don't put yourself in a room alone with someone of the opposite sex and you won't fall into that. There is a way of escape. He warns us in the book of Proverbs, don't go near the door of her house. Well, duh, I just knocked on the door and she invited me in and it happened. Well, you were not supposed to go near the door of her house. He says he provides the way of escape. God does this. God has all this for us. And we're going to close with this verse. We're going to close with this one. Hebrews chapter 4, verses verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, let us fear, while a promise remains of entering his rest, 
any one of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. The word they heard was of no profit, because it was not coupled with faith. Everything we hear in the scriptures, we must couple with faith. That God means business. I tell you, every word in this book, every word is going to come true. If it hasn't come true already, it's going to come true. It can't stop from coming true. Heaven and earth move to fulfill the word of God. Jesus fulfilled the word of God. In everything he did, he fulfilled the word of God. That depth of relationship came. Why would? Why did Jesus cry out on the cross with this cry of despair? Father, oh God, God, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't say, Father, why have you forsaken me? He says, God, why have you forsaken me? Why all of a sudden is he calling them God rather than Father? That was that separation point. That was the thing that Jesus was praying against in the garden because it was prophesied that he would die. Jesus was never afraid to die. He came to die. It was prophesied. He knew that that was going to happen. What he was praying wouldn't come upon him was this separation. There was nothing in the Old Testament that said there had to be a separation between the Messiah and God, the spiritual separation between them. And Jesus saw that coming and he said to his father, let that not come. I don't want that spiritual separation. He never cried out to God, why am I being hung here on the cross? What he cried out to God about is the separation. Why why am I separated from you? And he cried out, God, There we see him talking to him in this judicial relationship, God, rather than the way he always spoke to his father, which was father. He dreaded the separation, the spiritual separation from God. And we can be so lazy in our walk sometimes that we gladly separate ourselves from him. He says, let me come and make my abode with you. Be like Joseph. And let God fill your life. It is all about a relationship with God. It is all about being with God in a tight relationship. Everything is about Jesus. And being this relationship, we obey Him. And that gives. that's how we show our love for Him. And then the Father loves us by showing love for His Son. And then the two of them come and make their abode with us. That is the thing that Jesus had that despairing cry on the cross was the spiritual separation from his father. That's the thing he was praying against in the garden. But he says, if that has to happen, I'll take it. And that's where he could only speak to God as God, no longer his father. And what I'm saying is, it's all about Jesus. We have to draw close to him. What he has for us is something good and holy in a spiritual relationship with him. This is what we see with Joseph. And that guy was just encased with God above and below, left and right. His father just surrounded him five times with God in Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah, the rock, the the shepherd, everything about the Messiah. And then he just encased him in blessing, blessing above, blessing below, left, right, blessing, five times blessing. There is great blessing in walking with God that is worth more than anything else, worth more than life itself. Jesus knew this. This is what he calls us to, and we grab hold of these things by faith. We must take hold of every word. If you do not believe every word in this book, every word, you have lost all moral high ground to walk in victory in your life. I believe every word in this book. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for the truth of your word. It is good and righteous and holy in every respect. And Father, I pray for the unbelievers on this line, that particularly as they've heard this word, Father, that you would convict them of their sin and that you would draw them back into a depth of relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that this very day they would cry out, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. Father, that you would save souls this very day. And Lord, I pray for the believers that are here, that you would give them a walk in victory, because in every temptation there is a way of escape that God provides. And Lord, I pray that you draw them into a depth of relationship first in obedience to Jesus in his word. And then that they would learn to spend time with you and enjoy the presence of Jesus and his father taking up residence as well. Father, that they would be encased above and below, front and back with God, with the blessings of God. Father, draw them closer to you as a result of this time, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And let me just say, if you are an unbeliever, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not know Jesus, I ask you, please let me have a chance. Let me have a chance to, to share the Lord with you one-on-one. I will initiate a, a private Zoom call with you. If you are an unbeliever, this is not for believers, this is for unbelievers. I will initiate a private Zoom call with you and I will gladly share my story of how I came to faith and you will get saved that very day. You won't leave the call without getting saved. You want to be saved? Just send me, send me a, a message to, to my email, tour at rice.edu and let me set up a Zoom call and share with you. I will do that Zoom call either the same day or the next day. We will set up a time to share together.